for the end of those things is death, but now, as a child of God, now saved in Christ, now born again, now new creation, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification guaranteed, and its end is eternal life guaranteed. Good day, listeners, and welcome to Live in the Light. Thank you so much for making Live in the Light a part of your day. Hey, we're back into Romans today, and today's episode takes us further along where Paul is walking us deeper and deeper into this idea of sanctification. In fact, growing in Christ is central to today's message. Pastor Robbie is our teacher for this program, and he's in studio now with me, and Robbie, more growth needed today for sure, right? More growth needed, Craig, and let's talk about sin more too. Yay! Yay. <laughs> That's right. All in favor. But what is growth, right, Craig? What is growth but overcoming the power of sin in our lives? And that is the point of why Jesus Christ died to set us free from the penalty of sin, and then now we're in the process of overcoming the power of sin in our lives. You said the word, the theological term is sanctification. It's beautiful. It's awesome. And and Paul, wow, inspired by the Holy Spirit, he started to drop it, like to be able to lay down truths after truths after truths that are so captivating. They are deep. They must be studied. They can't be passed over quickly. But man, are they filled with life. And it's just such an awesome process. So we are praying for our listeners here that you are able to have your Bible open to Romans 6. You're able to look at verses 19 and 23. And Craig, some of the most famous New Testament verses there are, at least pertaining to the gospel for sure. So much to be excited about. And growth is the key. Yes, this is why we're here. And this is why passages like this exist. So Lord Jesus, help us to grow more like you with an awareness of sin, but also with an awareness of incredible transformation in the process of sanctification. All right. Well, as Pastor Robbie said, it's Romans 6 through 8. This is a dense passage of truth for the believer. Our series is entitled, Life's Too Short Not to Grow in Christ. Let's flip it back over to Robbie, who's in Romans 6 with a message entitled, Slave to Sin or Slave to God. Please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We're going to conclude Romans 6 today as we continue in our series on sanctification. Lord willing, next week we start Romans 7, but we're concluding this awesome chapter in Romans chapter 6. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you, uh, almost 100% for sure, in the seat or one of the seats in front of you. And you can find the book of Romans in the New Testament table of contents. Maybe someone beside you would give you a hand with that as well. If you're visiting with us, hey, so glad you're here. So, so, so glad if you're tuning in, maybe the first time some other way. So thankful you are as well. May the Lord speak to you. So as we finish up Romans 6 today, again, moving into 7 next week, but we finish up Romans 6 today, um, what Paul does is he provides us with a bottom line. 
Okay, so he's made arguments all over Romans 6, and now he presents us with the bottom line. I really like bottom lines, right? Bottom lines, like someone's talking, and sometimes they can talk um, a little bit long, and you're like, hey, man, give me the bottom line. Like, what's the point of what you're trying to say? Or people have made kind of arguments, and they've been presenting different ways, but in the end, all good communicators will conclude with a really strong bottom line. Here's the point of what I'm trying to say, and that's what Paul is doing by the Holy Spirit here in Romans 6 as well. Bottom lines become powerful summaries, very helpful clarity, understanding again what the point is that is being expressed. Here's how the Cambridge Dictionary defines the phrase bottom line. It's this on the screen for you. It is the final result or the most important consideration of a situation, activity, or discussion. Okay, so again, this is what Paul does for us today. Paul, who wrote Romans, he's giving us a bottom line after several uh, ways of arguing. Again, making his argument, he sums it up with the result. So here's what, in a sentence, here's what his bottom line is for us today. This is it right here. This is an important one, okay? There are two types of people in this world. You're only one of two types of people. That's it. For all people, no exceptions. You're one of two types of people. You're either a slave to sin or a slave to God. That is the bottom line. It's exactly what the Bible teaches us today. There are only two types of people in this world. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. So that's sobering. That's sobering because it's true. All of life, see, all the things we do, all of life comes down to that. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. The one leads to shame and death. The Bible tells explicitly today, the other leads to sanctification and life. The Bible will say that exactly to us today. So therefore, this bottom line, you have to listen today. This bottom line is the most important bottom line of our existence. There is no more important bottom line in all of life. Why? Because this bottom line, you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to death or a slave to sin or a slave to God. I meant to say slave to God. This will determine again your direction in life. This will determine death for you. This is the difference of people who die with hope and people who die with no hope, whether you're a slave to sin or a slave to God. And then obviously this will determine your ultimate destiny. This decides your entire future. You come down to one of two people, either a slave to sin or a slave to God. Now think about this, this is very important. So today is Super Bowl Sunday. Now some of you may be sitting here saying, what's the Super Bowl? I don't know what to say to you, okay? I'm not sure, okay? So I'm a football fan, Super Bowl Sunday. It's one of the biggest events in the entire world on a yearly basis, okay? So I don't really care who wins this year. Some years I do, some years I don't, but someone's gonna win tonight and they're gonna hold up a trophy and that's a big deal. It's gonna change their career. It's gonna change kind of the team, how it looks. It's gonna change their future. They get to go to Disney World, whatever it is. It's gonna change a lot of what they're doing, okay? So it's gonna have a huge, huge impact upon certain people. At least that's how it's perceived. But at the end of the day, no matter who wins, how many trophies you get, like Tom Brady, okay? It feels like you said whatever, okay? Some of you got that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's fine too, okay? But listen, you can hold the Zubro trophy. At the end of the day, you're still going to under one or two people. Slave of sin, slave of God, okay? You can have the most Instagram followers in the world. Cristiano Ronaldo, hundreds of millions of people, okay? Pictures of himself with his shirt off all the time. Not that I really know that, okay? But just, I did look it up. I did look it up this week. It's the only picture I saw. I'm like, wow, it's amazing, okay? Anyway, so there he is, hundreds of millions of followers. You could have a gazillion followers. At the end of the day, you come down to one or two people. Slave of sin or slave of God. You could be the wealthiest person on earth. 
billionaire upon billionaire and you own nations, but you will still be one of two people when it's all said and done. You'll either be a slave of sin or a slave of God. That's humbling, man. And that's perspective. And this is the wisdom that the Bible is giving to us again today. All the things we try to do, all the ways we spend our life, all the motivations we have, career and money and this and status and popularity and blah, 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 blah. It all comes down. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. And that determines your eternal destiny. Man, young people, listen up today. Listen up today. All people, listen up today. I mean, this is important stuff. Romans 6. Let's look at our text here. You can see it for yourself. Romans 6, verse 19. Paul says this. I'm speaking in human terms. He says that right away because he's using the analogy of slavery, which is not a perfect illustration, but he's trying to speak to them on their level so they understand. He says, because of your natural limitations... For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. There's that word. Awesome. Should be in your translation. I really hope it is. If not, you need to get a new Bible. Okay, just joking, just joking. Well, it's kind of joking. Anyway, verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness, but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed? Fascinating. For the end of those things is death. But now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, set free from sin, one who's been born again, alive in the gospel, but now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And here's the bottom line of bottom lines. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Okay, so we're going to take a look at this bottom line in three parts. We're gonna break it up into three parts today. Bottom line number one is this. To be a slave of sin equals lawlessness and death. If you notice in verse 19, Paul is describing a believer's former life before Christ. Okay, so someone before they were saved. He's saying, you are a slave to sin. In his context, you are a slave to sin, notice, and the progression. When you're a slave to sin, then you're a slave to impurity. If you're a slave to, this is all verse 19. If you're a slave to impurity, then you're a slave to lawlessness. And as you're a slave to lawlessness, that leads to increased or more lawlessness. Now, let's be very aware and wise what the Bible's teaching us about sin. Ready? Sin always desires more sin. Sin has an insatiable appetite for sin. Sin always wants to go to the highest level of destruction or disaster. That is why, again, if sin is left unchecked, jealousy will result and end up in murder. This is why the sin of lust will end up in full-scale adultery, if allowed, if unchecked. Because sin never stops at level one. Sin always wants to feed on more sin. And that's what verse 19 is showing us. When we're a slave to sin, impurity, lawlessness, and then increased lawlessness, because that's the path it takes us on. So Paul is using the imagery of slavery in Romans 6 seven times. 
Seven times slavery is mentioned in some form. That's significant, okay? But let us understand, in Romans chapter 6, slavery is being presented. It's, it's, it's not someone being forced against their will. Okay, I want you to listen to that. Slavery here is not being presented as someone who's being forced against their will. Think carefully. What Paul is saying is slavery in Romans 6 is that our wills are enslaved. Meaning this, when our wills are enslaved, we are enslaved. Very, very important to hear this. We are enslaved to whatever our greatest passions, longings, and desires. Whatever we long for the most, we are enslaved to such things. It controls us. This can be really bad. This can also be really good in the context of our chapter, okay? So again, to put it even more simply, in life, we pursue that which is most attractive to us. We set the agenda for our lives upon that which we believe is most desirous or most attractive. Now, let me understand that in, in our context, right? This can be really bad and evil and sin, enslaved to sin. We pursue, we love sin. But this can also be really good. We are slaves of God. We pursue righteousness. We pursue affection for Jesus Christ. We are changing it because we long for him more than we long for the unrighteousness, the evil, the sin in our world or used to plague our lives. So our wills are enslaved to evil or our wills are enslaved to righteousness. So therefore, when Paul says, as a slave to sin, notice, you present yourself, presenting yourself is, I place at the disposal of, I offer myself to sin. Like, so by way of example, okay? The man or woman who's enslaved to sin, and specifically the sin of lust, they will literally offer their bodies to pornography. They will sacrifice their members to the worship of pornography or adultery, whatever it may be, whatever sexual sin desires to destroy them. But you gotta think of it that way. When you're enslaved to sin, and this is God, you are literally offering your body to the sacrifice of such things. It just, it's sobering when you put it like that. That's exactly what's happening. It's serious stuff. Like, you're putting yourself on the altar of worship of sin. This is the terminology that the Bible is giving to us right here. So it becomes a very big deal. So look down at verse 20, okay? Verse 20, very interesting. For when you were slaves of sin, notice this, you were free in regard to righteousness. That's a very interesting phrase. What does that mean? Free, a slave of sin, I'm free in regard to righteousness. What this means is that in our old state, which was dominated by our old self, ready? Sin was more attractive than righteousness. We were dead to God. We were enslaved to sin. So our consciences were seared. Um, we didn't care about righteousness. Our hearts were stone dead to the things of God. So then that's why righteousness had no power over us. We did not care. Why? Because the longing and passion for more sin enslaved our hearts. Jesus is very helpful here in John chapter three. Some of the 
phrases, and Jesus kind of bottom lines it here too. Listen to this. He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come, to, the light is Jesus Christ. The light has come into the world. And listen to this. And the people loved the darkness rather than the light. See, they're enslaved to sin. They love their sin. Therefore, they don't love the light. Why? Because their works were evil. Notice this. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, not just doesn't like the light, hates the light and does not come to the light. Why? If you love sin and evil, you hate the light because the light exposes your sinfulness. So therefore you reject God and Christ and the light because you love your sin more than the light and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Incredibly telling. This is our whole world. No wonder there's the throwing out of God because God is the one who exposes us for our sin to point us in mercy and grace to be saved from our sin. But if you love your sin more than that, then you want nothing to do with it. Another powerful example of what we're learning here, here is the biblical example of the prodigal son, right? Enslaved to sin. The prodigal son, father, I want my inheritance. I want it now. Why does he want his inheritance? He wants his inheritance in sinful ways to party for pleasure. He wants to follow the path of sinfulness that sinful thinking will lead to sinful parting, sinful deeds. Notice this, his passion for sin only leads him into deeper slavery of sin. So that's massive, right? When we're traveling down the path of sin, we think we're pursuing freedom, but in reality, the Bible tells us we're actually uh, pursuing slavery because sin enslaves every single time. The sinful desires of the prodigal son led to sinful deeds and it finally resulted in his slavery with pigs, literally. He ends up with pigs. I love that we heard that in the testimony today in baptism, praise the Lord for that. It's th this is the path though. He thinks he's going for freedom through sin, but he ends up enslaved and destitute. And the Bible says he comes to his senses and Maybe my father will hire me as one of the hired servants, but the father opens his arms and welcomes him with grace and mercy and incredible love. Another picture of the amazing gospel in Jesus Christ. Isn't this a lesson for all of life though, right? Because listen, our world, has it ever more in this nation presented freedom as everything or presented personal autonomy? Personal autonomy is the highest goal and idol. This is what we worship as a society as much as anything else, personal autonomy. Yet it's the very idolatry and obsession with self that is leading so many to bankruptcy with pigs. Now think about it, right? Why and what is the great motivation in our a nation founded on God, a nation founded on the truth of God, a nation founded on God's word, a nation built on the understanding there is a God, Lord of all creation. What is the motivation right now among us to get rid of God? Why is there so much momentum and so much zealousness to get rid of God? Well, think about it. If you get rid of God, you get rid of righteousness defined by God. If you get rid of righteousness defined by God, then you get rid of morality also defined by God. If you get rid of God's morality, then you are free from a conscience under, again, the righteousness of God. And then you get to remove restriction of sin. 
If you remove restriction of sin, then you now become God and you get to redefine sin. And then you, you are God and you do whatever you want. So th this is the great motivation of chucking God out. And then, but God is replaced with us, which is just a disaster. And this is what we're living in as we speak. In fact, our society, what our society's done now, they have rejected God. They have thrown out his righteousness. They have re rejected his counsel of his will. And now what's happened, our society has now begun to call evil good and good evil. They have totally redefined the righteousness of God. If you want proof of this in God's word, Romans chapter one, verse 32. Romans one is a massive text on this. It is, I just encourage you to read Romans one. It just explains so much the context of God gave them up to their debased mind. So much of purity and sexualities within this chapter two. Look at this though. Like, look at how clear God's word is. Though they know God's righteous decree. See, it's not that humanity doesn't know. We do. We have a God-given, made in his image conscience. It's not that they don't know God's decree. That those who practice such things, they understand deep down, they deserve to die. Man. But not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Not only do they do themselves, but they form laws to actually put in the approval sector what God calls evil, they call good, and what God calls, again, evil, they call good and good evil. It's, it's sobering, it's happening all around us as we see. So we gotta be men and women of tremendous discernment and to see this and understand this. If you take it back to ourselves and how it personally applies to us, how many of our stories involve of being slaves to sin? And we were living with a perceived freedom from righteousness, Right? But what was the end result? Look at verse 21. Here's the end result, okay? Verse 21. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Fascinating, eh? The clarity of God's word. Just like the prodigal son, right? We wake up one day and our version of freedom ends up in disaster, destitution, and death. Let's be, let's be crystal clear. The Bible says to us today, the fruit of sin is death. No exceptions. The end result for the pathway of sin is death. Um, young people, but all people, but young people, do not be deceived by the propaganda of our world that seeks to lie to you on an absolute daily basis, that just live your life, do whatever you want, just whatever feels right. Do not be deceived by the propaganda of the world. God makes it categorically clear today. He could not be any more clear. Again, the path of sin ultimately is death. We're living in a day right now, we are absolutely pummeled on an every single day. I'm so sensitive to it. I see it all the time. It's overwhelming for me at times, whatever. You're just seeing it. You're seeing it and you're reading. It's a lie, a lie, a lie. It's, it's satanic in its origin because again, it's telling us that's a path to life. But in reality, God says so clearly, the path to sin is the path to death. No exceptions. We have to be so mindful. It's going to come at a cost to live in this truth. You're not going to be the most popular. You're going to be rejected. Things are going to happen. Probably get increasingly more tough as we go along. It's a huge call for denial of self, faith in Christ. But one day soon, Jesus Christ return. And if you belong to him, he will take you as his own. You will be with him forever. And every second you live for Jesus Christ will be worth it. it takes faith though, doesn't it? it? Takes faith. But this is the truth. And this is the truth we hear again today. This life is very short compared to eternity. 
I'm telling you, the counsel God gives us, man, live for him, live for him. You're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to God. There's only one of two types of people in this world. Only one of two types of people in this world. Notice two in verse 21. Notice it says here, for what fruit were you getting of which you're now ashamed? See, so when you're a slave to sin before Christ and you're just living on the pathway to sin, isn't it so true? What fruit did you get from that? At the end of the day, what was the result of that? What happened there? Of which you are now ashamed. And that's where I think that's so true. Like sometimes I think back to my old life before Christ. Like, and this is no exaggeration. I literally shudder sometimes. When I think about the things I did, I think about the person I was. Like it literally, now that the Holy Spirit lives within me and my eyes are open to Jesus Christ, I think about the things I literally will shudder in horror and shame as I reflect back upon my life before Jesus Christ. It's just like, oh, but then you apply the gospel. Then you apply the reality of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And it becomes a very humble, sobering moment being overwhelmed in God's mercy and grace. When you realize all my sin, all my shame, all my horrific things. And yet Jesus Christ has forgiven me hundred percent and cleansed me by his blood. I mean, truly we join with John Newton and say, amazing grace, so sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me that saved a wretch like me, total wretch, that Jesus Christ in his grace saved me by dying on the cross for my sins when I believed in him. What's the bottom line here? To be a slave of sin equals impurity, lawlessness, and death. So that's obviously some bad news. Here comes some good news. Number two, bottom line number two. To be a slave of God, though, equals sanctification in life. A slave of God equals sanctification and life. Look again at verse 19. In verse 19, notice some transitions here, halfway down. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, notice, so now, so now transition as a child of God saved in him, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Look also at verse 22, right? So end of verse 21. For the end of those things is death, First two words in 22, but now as a child of God, now saved in Christ, now born again, now new creation, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification guaranteed and its end is eternal life guaranteed. So this text is packed with contrasts and comparisons. I hope you've seen some of that. Let's get on the same page here, though, together with a chart on the screen of detailing, just in this passage, what it means to be a slave of sin, what it means to be a slave of God. Okay, here's what the Bible's presenting to us. When I'm a slave of sin, verse 19 tells us, I'm a slave to impurity, lawlessness, and more sin, more lawlessness. When I'm a slave of God, I'm now being sanctified, which just means I'm being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. I am becoming more and more like Christ as each day goes on. When I'm a slave of sin, I think I'm free from righteousness, but the reality is that's disaster because it always ends up in death and hell every single time. When I'm a slave of God, I'm actually set free from sin because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. He died for my sins, so I'm saved. A slave of God means I'm saved. I'm free from sin. I will live forever. When I'm a slave of sin, the result is shame and death. Every single time. Every single person, every single time. A slave of God, the fruit of my life is holiness and the end result 
is eternal life. Verse 22, a slave of sin, I earn death. We'll get to that in a few minutes. I earn death through sin. A slave of God, I can't earn anything. A slave of God, I am given eternal. I'm given the free gift of eternal life. Again, only found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you're one of two people in this world. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of God. No other options, no other choices. Notice here, um, the Bible's not looking for people's opinions. You ever notice that? The Bible's not polling anyone. Hey, let's take a poll and find out what we think about, you know, sin and death and life. And The Bible's not polling anyone or asking for opinions. The Bible's telling us this is the way it is. This is the way it is under God's plan that we are saved through Jesus Christ alone. If we reject him, then we're a slave of sin and the end of sin is going to be death. That's very, very important. I read this quote this week. I found it profound. I wanted to share with you. Douglas Moo said this in his commentary in Romans, okay? Listen to this. I mean, this is such a blast against evil in our day, the lies that we're all surrounded with. According to the Bible, genuine autonomy, the highest form of worship in our society, is not an option. If you'd like to hear this message again or the rest of the messages from this series, you can find these free resources and more on our website at liveinthelight.ca. That's liveinthelight.ca. If you'd like to get a copy of the entire series, make sure you phone us at 1-844-22-LIGHT. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. We hope you join us again next time here on Live in the Light.